Hello and welcome to the TPM Podcast with your host, Mario Girard. This is the second part of the interview with Alessandro Cartaccini. Hope you enjoy it. Keep listening. Let's take another step and define what you believe is the T in the, the technical program management. I think a lot of people have that question. What's your take on what, what is the T? How do you define it? It's a spectrum, really. And, and I'm looking at my own career. I, I started uh, as the super T. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say looking at me now, but I mean, uh, that was the time when I got, I think it was 13 patents in two years uh, because I was working on deep XML technologies uh, in the early 2000s when it was cool. Think about it, I'm that old. <laughs> And it was all about uh, really the, the optimization of the protocol, the definition of the standard, uh, the most efficient way to architect the system, and how to drive. They were at the time four different dev teams across two products uh, to, to deliver it. So that's why uh, you needed a TPM there, because either you got a very senior architect, but that would have been a, an organizational issue, yeah. Or uh, you would have a somebody that would simply act as the hub of the information that then would distribute it for implementation. And that was also Microsoft at the time when it was a software company. So it doesn't really apply to today. But that was an example of, that was still a TPM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the idea there is really think about a hub of deep technical information that affects a very large uh, scope. Yeah. of development teams uh, where it is important uh, to m- make sure that everybody drinks at the same source. These, for example, are cases for compliance, uh, for standards, uh, for general features that everybody has to share and that may be, may be implemented with the standard uh, libraries yeah. that are shared by everyone. So those are cases where you need a hub. When the hub uh, reaches uh, a span that exceeds a certain threshold, uh, you get to the point of diminishing returns where if you put there an engineer, uh, that engineer spends the majority of his or her time talking rather than writing code. That is usually where you transition from being an engineer to being a TPM. That is the extreme T. The other extreme of the T is a project manager where it really doesn't matter what the task is, uh, your job is to create a framework around it to make sure that uh, its tracking is well-documented, all impediments uh, are tracked, and who needs to know what and by when is absolutely crystal clear. And what's in between? What's like a midway point, like five? Like we say at spectrums zero to one to 10, what's five? Five is uh, uh, an embedded TPM uh, in a team uh, where understanding the uh, longer term implication, for example, independencies uh, upstream and downstream of technical choices that you're making, being able to clarify in advance the impact on, for example, scalability of some design compromises that you're making. Kind of this type of uh, really think about uh, the embedded TPM uh, is the foreign minister of a team. So, yeah. What does uh, your diplomatic core need to know yes. about what you're doing technically? And to do that, at the very least, uh, you need to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, why the other options don't work, uh, and what is their impact. And to be able to relay also back uh, the opposite. So the, the objections, uh, the what-ifs, uh, the how can we change the rule of a game if we gave you some support or things like that. What's the background? I'm, think, I'm trying to think... 
who would ideally be a good TPM? I mean, what are the what? Where do these people come from? Because TPM itself was is fairly new. I, I know it's been around in different. TPM is is a very wide uh, wide spectrum and. Again, if you want to be uh, a TPM with a really capital T, uh, it's almost inevitable that you need to be uh, an ex-developer. An ex-developer, or at least uh, you need to be trained as one. Yeah, it's kind of. A, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, PMs uh, that are pass me the, pass it to me with tongue in cheeks. Fail developers, as in developers who can code but don't like it. That's where they derive pleasure from. Yeah. So it's kind of, they can if they have to, but I mean, it's not their first instinct. If you think about it, the discipline of PM at Microsoft uh, rose exactly out of this. So developers that realized that there was coordination needed across teams started doing that and coding yeah. less and less, yeah. and eventually stopped coding and did that full time. I think that's, that's the journey, right, of becoming a TPM. It's a very interesting journey. I've seen candidates. Oh, and I, honestly, I back to your question. I've seen uh, uh, TPMs of every walk of life. I've seen. I mean, I had an ex-reverend. Uh, I had. <laughs> you uh, have stories. Uh, oh yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I had uh, a lot of people that were, for example, uh, former military officers. Yeah. That uh, were engineers, of course, uh, yeah. but were engineers also not necessarily software engineers. Yeah. So mechanical engineers, materials engineers, uh, or mathematicians, uh, supply chain experts, uh, kind of, it didn't really matter. They all had a passion for the process of getting things done rather than what they were getting done. That's a good way to put it. Uh, sticking with the T and the TPM. How do you generally evaluate the T when you when you meet a candidate? Don't you don't need to give your secrets away? No, usually it's uh, like how do you put where does he fall on the spectrum? Well, the the first and most basic thing is explain me something. But basically, oh yeah, you worked on this project. What was it? Oh, why did you do it this way? Yeah. What were the constraints? And if you can go to that level, especially for a project that maybe is not one year ago but five. Oh yeah, then, uh, that's you, a good point. Right? You probably, can, you, can you just recollect and tell me some basic architecture? Oh, the easiest way to uh, to spot uh, an inflated resume is asking somebody to a person not one job ago, not two jobs ago, but three jobs ago. <laughs> if they can tell you all the details of what they were doing seven years ago, you're fine. That's a very interesting uh, <laughs> way to uh, That's a dirty trick. <laughs> <laughs> that, that absolutely... Uh, because usually people, uh, of course, know everything about what they're doing today. Yeah. But if they were really engaged and they were really doing it and they were really the guy, they have no problem telling you what they were doing 20 years ago. There is a lot of uh, debate. For example, the, the classic trite question of the type, kill me first, please. Uh, uh, like, I don't know, design me a phone for old people. Yeah, yeah. There are infinite approaches, uh, but uh, the, the guy that wins the prize is always the guy that transcends uh, the fact uh, that uh, a phone has to have a certain shape. That gets to the point where a phone is a device uh, whose only reason to exist uh, is to make person A uh, talk to person B. Yeah. And walks back from solving that problem. I mean, an okay answer is, yeah, okay, you have the bigger buttons, uh, you have, uh, maybe tells you the number as uh, you're typing it, or things like that. But more from a 
Yeah, basically, it's jumping into the features that are around the problem that you're solving. But what about uh, the technical system design, like system architecture? Oh, system, system architecture, it's one of those things uh, that uh, become incredibly uh, domain-specific. Because, sure, you're coming to interview for a cloud. If I'm asking you how to design a system to do, I don't know, VM reservation and VM reclamation, yeah, we can start uh, uh, talking about what it is, how it works, what it is supposed to be, and start drawing some boxes. Why not? Yeah. But then it becomes very uh, specific because if I'm going to work, say, for an ad company, they are probably going, the definition of T is going to be completely different. And I think that's what a lot of people struggle with, right? When, when, when they are in TV. And here, really, it's where... Uh, if. You're, you shouldn't be struggling there because you should know your customer. Your customer here is your interviewer. What does he need? Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You're saying uh, definitely do some research and then figure out what problems you're trying I to mean, solve. I mean, the ultimate research is researching personally every person that you're going to talk to so that uh, you are going to have an idea about what their likes and dislikes are. Yeah, it's very surprising when I meet candidates who have not researched about the interview panel, but have not even researched about the company or the product, I feel, do you care enough? If this was a life-altering decision, I believe joining a new company is a life-altering decision, right? Because you're spending 10 hours of your day, eight, eight hours of your day, not at home, but at somewhere else, and that's going to be half your life for the next X amount of years. You have not done any research about us. You haven't formed an opinion. What do you say to that? Well, <laughs> it comes in different flavors. There is uh, the highly benign situation where, no, I didn't, because first I want to form my own impression about looking at you guys, you guys? and kind of getting an idea about the internal culture, unbiased, and then I'm going to read what you tell the public, uh, what you want me to think about it. <laughs> so this is one approach. Then there is the other approach, which is the, man, I'm just coming here so that I can get an offer and I can get a raise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see, you see. I'm sure you've seen those cases. Oh yeah. So yeah. usually you smell those from miles. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And guess what? Those usually do not get an offer. Yeah, true. I like people who've done a little bit of research and were passionate the about the cause. Yeah, the large majority of the people at least have a clue about what they're uh, coming in for. What they're coming in. And again, you put it perfectly. It's a life-altering situation. So yeah. I mean, at the very least, uh, uh, have a reason why you're here. Okay. Usually I open... Not for the free lunch. I always open with, okay, what brings you here? As open as that, right? Let's let's talk a little bit about how you level a candidate. You don't need to go into what we do here, but in general, how's your thought process? Because I've seen you in, in debriefs where you're like, I'm telling you that this candidate is at this level, I'm telling it to you at this level of certainty that I know that he is not there yet. And you, I've seen you given points when I've sat with you in debriefs, right? Yeah, but especially in companies that have uh, very wide uh, levels and very well set uh, yeah. as Oracle, it's frankly pretty easy because uh, the communication register changes pretty dramatically from one level to another. And uh, it's pretty easy when you're talking with one uh, to know that you're talking with an IC file. 
because he reasons like one, he approaches the problem like one, uh, that his top-down really starts high. He knows when to, um, to pull in uh, exams oh, if necessary, yeah. when to push back uh, uh, from a business level. So those are usually telltale scenarios. And not only they know, they have done it and they have a track of record of having done it. And you cannot fabricate such things, That's right? It's exactly. almost impossible to fabricate. Uh, I've interviewed a couple of people where, as you said, the, the, when you ask a question, where do they start from? Do they start just like everybody else going about this? Usually it's as simple as uh, uh, how do they take what you tell them? Do they simply take it? Do they ask a couple of but, clarifying questions? Or do they ask you the why questions? Why this and not this other one? I, I, I cannot, mean, that's usually... A, yeah, I cannot put it into words like you did, but it is evident that most times when you have somebody of very, very high caliber, uh, the interaction is very different from an unseasoned candidate. It is really like... And there's also a difference between the young and experienced brilliant candidate... Yes. And uh, uh, the guy that has been doing it for 30 years. Yeah. They have battle scars, they have kills. They they act differently. Yes, yes, yes. It's kind of, there is less energy, but it's uh, focused in one shot, one kill. Yeah, very precise. And they have very interesting stories to tell. Not that the brilliant young guy doesn't. It's just a different type of Just a different approach. Yes, a different approach. It's a more deliberate approach. Yeah. More clean, more precise, more surgical. Sometimes it's like very like precise. More focused. More focused, yes. Cool. I know the TPM role, you know, TPM as, as a title probably didn't exist like 10 years ago, uh, as far as I knew. But the roles, the pe- there were people doing the stuff. I still remember my story the, the first time I got to Microsoft, because uh, I mean, uh, kind of, I had sent them a, a resume as a joke. And uh, they didn't take it as a joke, so they brought me in for an interview. At the time, I was living in Paris, in France, and they had kind of one of those hiring sweeps in Paris. So they brought me in for an interview as for SDEs and SDETs. And I remember that I arrived in front of this guy that I know now that uh, about how we do, the, at least they used to do those trips. That probably was one of his last interviews of the day after he had interviewed all day. He was dead tired, jet-lagged and everything. He was like almost wasted and put in front of me the usual piece of paper with uh, find me the duplicates uh, in a um, read me the C function that finds uh, the duplicates in an array of integers. I remember the first uh, words out of my mouth were, why? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Which he had a double take. So, well, just do it. Yeah, I mean, why? In which context? (laughs) What kind of performance signature do you need? Uh, What Give me something to work with. I mean, kind of, what's the context I'm, uh, I'm doing yeah. this in? And I mean, after p- kind of a 10 minutes of back and forth uh, uh, with this one, he looked at me funny. He said, wait a minute. And he brought in a, a different lady that was the, the HR lady of the time. They said, have you ever heard of this role called program manager? I said, no, what is it? Sounds nice. <laughs> And uh, so long story short is that they didn't have the uh, the panel to interview for PMs there, so they had to fly me to Redmond the, the week after. And yeah. And uh, a while later, here I was. So it's, it, was, it was funny because, I mean, in a way, I had been a PM all my life and I didn't know. That, that's exactly. So that's the point I was coming to. So you, you painted a beautiful picture of how it happened. Where do you see it going? I mean, do you see the role evolving? Is the market... 
The market has also changed a little bit, or has it? Or has it not? not really. Actually, it's kind of a. Well, the fact that dinosaurs like me are not extinct yet uh, says that probably it hasn't. You should definitely take into account that you've evolved as a person, right? You tremendously evolved and grown. The the interesting part there is that the discipline of TPM is intrinsically dynamic. I mean, do you really know what you're going to do tomorrow morning? What your day is going to be on Monday? Honestly, I don't. I know I'm going to be busy as heck. Exactly. And that is exactly the point. I mean, you can scale the fact uh, that uh, your activity is undefined in tasks, uh, but defined in goals. Exactly. To the day, to the month, or to the year, or to the decade. Now, does ambiguity disappeared from business activities? Hell no. So this is, uh, in a way, what spells uh, business security for TPMs. Because every time that an organization reaches a certain level of complexity, you really need to uh, to start brushing the hair that's getting long. So, so, so you're saying that the role itself is never going to go away? It's, it's going to morph slightly. The priorities uh, may be subject to fashions. Yeah. The tools will definitely change. Uh, but I mean, the, the, the intrinsic need for communication ganglions uh, uh, remains. And I mean, whatever you might rebrand that role to be 10 years from now. Exactly. With Jen, we were joking that engineering in an organization is the state, really. It's very well-defined. Uh, there's command chains. TPMs in organizations are the church. <laughs> in what sense? I mean, I joined uh, a new team about a month and a half ago. Yeah. The team was uh, made of all new people that uh, came in from different places yeah. in the organization and started uh, working together. One week in, we started to all know each other and uh, kind of uh, define what we had to do, the details and everything. And at this point, we have a director of engineering, we have a VP, we have a director of product management. Well, the guy that had the line at his desk, people asking questions about, hey, uh, what are we doing? Uh, what are we doing? Really, is this focusing on uh, what we are doing? Will this help? Should I be doing it this way? I mean, I had a constant line of four people. Well, you saw it. I yeah, was yeah, right behind. Yeah, yeah. And Peter next to me was idle. <laughs> yeah, especially when you started a new team. Right? So it was it was kind of interesting because uh, I acted as the the gateway to the rest of the organization. So I could find them the answers to questions. Yeah. For example, if we do it this way, would the service on uh, the other side of the organization uh, work well with us? Who should I talk to there? So, oh, yeah, let me find it. Okay. And that is going to evolve, right? Your role in this particular team, because it's a very oh, nascent... And, uh, I, have com- uh, I have been assigned a pretty specific role right now that actually, it's kind of funny because... Actually, see, this is interesting, actually, that now that you mention it, because so far we have talked about TPMs as if they were a bidimensional discipline. In reality, they're a tri-dimensional discipline, which is probably something we should talk about. Mm. Because if you want to model uh, the continuum of PMs and TPMs, which is what we didn't do, you can model it within the space enclosed by a tetrahedron with four vertexes that are customers, business, process, and technology. If you flatten in the plane away from technology, you got PMs. If you flatten in the plane away from customer, you have a pure TPM. In reality, you always have something that floats in that space, closer to one plane or to the other. 
Or let me rephrase what you said in a in how I've envisioned it in my mind. I envision the TPM as as a person who owns delivery or getting stuff done, and there's a product manager who's responsible for the vision. Yes, right. But let me make you an example. I, I, and and I feel that these two roles are married at the hip. Yes, right. They That's are, how I normally tell people. In a way. Uh, we go back to what I was defining uh, originally as the TPM as connective tissue. Yeah. A TPM continues in, is really a continuum from engineering and is a continuum on the other side into product management. Yeah. It's really what there is in the middle. And some people are... And more. Yes, that's what I was saying. Some people, and you can see some people lean more towards the product management side sometimes. Some people lean more towards the technical side sometimes. Let's make and you an example. The, the project that I've been assigned last week is to design a third-party pipeline for a marketplace. How do we choose what to get on a marketplace? How do we build the requirements, not just for the engineering, but also to the business development so that we can ink contracts that work yeah. well with what we're doing. I mean, there's not a lot of T there. Actually, there's a lot of B. Honestly, it's pretty darn interesting because I have no clue how I'm going to do it or what I'm going to do. I'm spending a lot of time talking with uh, the linkers and the negotiators right now to figure out what it even means. That's to add to that, right? I feel when you when we talk about leveling, this is exactly what a level, uh, a highest level of TPM can do. He can oscillate between the business side. Sometimes some people are TPM and they're only in the business side, or some people might be expert in product. I feel the leveling is how versatile are you to oscillate between these functions? Oscillate horizontally and oscillate vertically. So how deep can you go in each one of those? Yeah, yeah. If necessary. Yeah. I think, see, breadth is a must-have. I think depth has two functions. One is, I've seen some people who don't have the depth at all, but if you put them in the room, they ask 20 questions and can get the entire depth very fast. Remember, depth doesn't mean you need to have it. It yeah. means you need to get it. Get it. And able to understand. And if you need to delegate to get it, yeah. or to rely on an expert to get it, that's perfectly fine because you are finding the expert. Yeah. But you also need to digest that. I feel I feel that I've seen the most capable people to, to they don't need to know the answer, but when they get the answer, can I consume that answer and make sense of it? Think about it. You have just defined what uh, how uh, how T is good enough. Yeah. What is the level of T that is good enough for this role? Yeah. That, that is exactly the criterion that defines it. Can I understand the answer? Can I tell the good answer when I see it? Yeah. And can I... Especially, can I tell the bad answer when I hear it? Yeah. That is, you're just talking about a little bit about interpreting the answer itself. Yes, that is... Can I consume it in the first place to interpret? I think that's where, uh, you know... Uh, and it's very interesting that you're going to... Now you're going to figure out the business side, but then you... Uh, in turn, over a period of time, you come to the T, T as well. Because you're starting with the business right now. You're figuring out what the problem area I, is. I promise you that there will be uh, features Internal. of the service that I'm missing. Yeah, yeah. That the business will be clamoring for. Yeah. So, it, it, it's a... See, I'm encroaching in product management there. 
It's indirect product manager, product management. I'm not asking customers how to do it, but in the process of streamlining how to do this, I will find holes. Yeah, that's. Uh, we should maybe talk more about the about how these four things fit together at a la- at a later point in time. Maybe that's for our next time. I have one final final question. What would be your advice or pointers, tips to people? who are fairly new in their career and who believe they want to be TPMs? What are certain things that they should do or they should be aware of? Or if you if you could go back to 20 years before... It's, a, it's an easy one. Keep taking the toys apart. Keeping the toys apart, okay. Take them apart and to figure out how they work and put them back together. Eventually figure out how to make them better. Because that's what it is about. Get to the essence of it. Don't stop at the surface. Trying to go as deep as possible. Is that even if a, uh, even if a problem has been solved, it doesn't mean that the solution is optimal. Uh huh. That's okay. can you make it better? And does making it better mean uh, do something different? I was always have a background thread about this. Doubt everything. Ask yourself questions yourself. Doubt ask. everything, especially yourself. <laughs> uh, wow, that's uh, that's deep. But at the same time, you shouldn't be questioning your your decisions or commit uh, or things. It's just now, once a decision is made, uh, the torpedo has fired. So <laughs> you either yeah, abort it or you wait for the boom when it hits something. There's no such a thing as uh, retracting it and firing it again. It's done. It's done. Cool. Uh, that that. Brings us to the end of it. Do you, do you think I do you want to add anything to it? Because if I didn't ask, well, you know, we touched a lot, a lot of, of topics, topics and right. Uh, right. I don't know. I'm not sure if uh, I gave you some semi senile rantings about it. No, no, I think I think we we did well. I I'm, I look forward for uh, feedback on what people want to hear more of, maybe. Uh, but I think we, we definitely went through the entire breadth of covering the role of a TPM and then what that entails, what are the positives of what we look for in TPM characteristics. And then we did some red flag and then we went on to the scope of what the TPM does and how the interviews are laid out, what we look for in candidates and um, the whole you know T uh, spectrum. I think that I think we touched upon really some really good topics. So thank you so much for uh, joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you. It was uh, great having you.